0: Crossing Fades, the first podcast featuring a Muslim and a Christian talking religion and politics. My name is Matt Hawkins. I'm a former policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, soon, maybe, to be the Great Commission Baptist Convention. We'll see about that in the, in the coming year. Uh, and my friend, John Pinna, who is founder and executive director of Muslims for Muslims. As always, we're available wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, and we're on Twitter, facebook instagram youtube and everything else is at crossingfades.com john pinna you look cuddly and all bundled up this morning what's going on in upstate
1: it's really cold here it's just really really cold (laughs) i don't know what else to say the leaves are still in the trees beautiful people come from all over the the world for the to the Hudson valley for the changing of the leaves so so that hasn't happened yet everything's still green but it's it's a little cold it's a little cold and uh I'm I'm uh trying to um you know power through I, my my walks in the morning and everybody's kind of looking at everybody going it's too early to be cold so <laughs> so yeah I'm powering through but I'm I'm wearing my my a uh, a really warm sweater because but it's it's a particular type of sweater because our guest is from from Ireland so I'm wearing an Aaron. so uh and I think Aaron just means made out of wool by some Dude, I don't know we'll have to ask our <laughs> guests so um we're, we're, we're lucky today to have uh Suzanne Sylvester who is um a motivational speaker and author uh, and newly television tv show host um uh and uh is her book, her com- book is coming out uh, in, this fall. It's called Champagne and Self Loathing, and uh, you'll see her on a new television series in the UK on Sky TV. Although I'm not going to mention the name because we don't want we want to we want it to pop as a big surprise. But Suzanne and I are are are, are old friends now, um, friends and acquaintances. We were planning on working together on a um, uh, an event that you know I've. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, works very closely with me. Um, The government in exile, uh, the Kampa people, uh, were clients of mine. And we were going to have, uh, His Holiness, uh, he had done a series of events here in the United States, and then he was kind of come back to the United States and then come to London. And he, because of his age, stopped traveling. So we had never, we were collaborating on the event, and then he chose to stop traveling within that time span because of his health and uh but we've always kept in touch and uh and we have a very um unique opportunity to explore uh, uh suzanne with her um faith journey uh so welcome suzanne with one nice to
2: be here how are you
1: i'm all right you doing okay
2: yeah i'm good you know it's it's i'm here in london and it's absolutely and it's 26 degrees uh celsius so uh, we're having the opposite effect
0: to you at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's it, yeah. We're 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 shivering. what's it like in Tennessee over there? What's is it is it warm?
0: Yeah, we're about five days into uh, cooling temperatures, which is pretty glorious. So we're we've dropped out of the 80s, and and the highs are now in the 70s, and the mornings are in the 50s. Um, so everybody who uh, likes likes the fall weather, everybody's pretty excited. And uh, of course, now the uh, pumpkin spice takeover is unavoidable. Uh, but You know, we get to. This is kind of the breakout of the pullover uh, weather here, and uh, I'm glad because the Tennessee humidity is finally broken, which means I can I can I can do some reading and studying outside, uh, which a couple weeks ago was pretty unbearable. So uh, that's what life is like down here. We're we're enjoying it a lot and waiting for the leaves to. Uh, change my my four year old daughter was all excited this morning because she knew today was the first day of fall. When she woke up, and she was asking if the leaves were changing, and we had to explain kind of well, not yet. They're they're gonna change. This is the season that they change, um, but they don't all change immediately. So she's excited to um, to do that. Uh, Suzanne, thank you also. Welcome to Crossing Phase. Thank you for doing this uh, podcast from across the pond, and uh, and coming to us from London. We appreciate your time. Um, give us a little bit of a backstory. Um, tell us about where you grew up and uh, what life was like um, for you in Ireland.
2: Well, um, Matt, I guess, you know, we I was born in the 70s um, in, in, in Dublin, and um, I grew up we had a very ca- kind of Catholic upbringing, you know, Irish Catholic. Um, the church was a huge part of our lives. We were schooled by nuns uh, the boys were schooled by the Christian brothers. Um, it was very much um, church on Sundays, um, confession on Saturdays. You know, that was something that was just part of our lives growing up. You know, the, the convent schools are everywhere. You know, I don't, I think it's a little different now. It's not as kind of, um, we had a very rigid Catholic upbringing. You know, it was yeah. very kind of faith driven. Um, we had to go to Mass on Sunday because we were questioned on Monday by the nuns what the gospel was. And God help us if we didn't know. It was kind of, we'd no option. I'm, I'm not sure how things are now. I mean, I moved to the UK nearly 30 years ago, but all my family are still in Dublin. So I do go back mm. there quite a bit, you know.
1: How did that? How did that? that, that faith uh, upbringing—it's uh, in, in on the construct of the environment around you. So you, you, you we're in the middle of of, of the uh, the Irish sorrow. Is that right? Right. So like, uh, the, the, the the Protestants and the and the Catholics were. Uh, well,
2: that was very much, you know, part of our lives growing up. Because again, you know, back in that time, they call it the Troubles. So it was a time of the Troubles. So there was a huge divide between the Catholics and Protestants. I grew up in Dublin, so not as embroiled in it as someone perhaps who grew up in Belfast or Derry, where there was huge, you know, this is where the IRA were and where, you know, you had one side of the the, the street would be Catholic, one side would be Protestant, you wouldn't cross. You know, now it, it's not much, it's not like that anymore. You know, There's, we're in times of peace and, and, you know, Catholic neighbors welcome Protestant neighbors. Where I grew up, particularly, there was one Protestant who we all knew about because it was such a shocking thing that there was a Protestant person on our own because we were Catholic, right? right? There was one house where there was a Protestant and it was like, wow, there's a Protestant. We were like, wow, there's a Protestant living in there. You know, that's how it was. <laughs> but like I said, not so much anymore, I- you know, we're in times of peace, so, you know, there's still very much a Catholic faith in in, in Ireland, but the churches are not seeing the turnout. People are, you know, questioning. For me, certainly, I grew up wanting more. I was curious about what their, not so much of their faiths, but just other belief systems, perhaps, and I just... I, I was looking for something in my life, and I think that's what instigated my spiritual journey and how I ended up on a path of considering other belief systems. You know, as you said earlier on when we were talking, I am historically Catholic. I was born, and but now I would probably consider myself multi-faith. Um, and the, the reason I say that is because, for me, I've read so much about other Religions or other um, ideologies or or belief systems, and at one point I studied Kabbalah for about two years here at the London Center, and that was a whole new world for me. That was completely very closely related to Judaism. It was it was just very very different. A a time of amazing clarity in my life, you know. So yeah, I just find it all. I just find I find it really interesting because Buddhism was another thing I considered, and I, I love a lot of the teachings of the Buddha and you know here on my you know sitting here on my desk is a Quran you know so I you know I, I met a lady on an airplane coming back from Belfast would you believe and we were chatting and she asked my address and she sent me this beautiful Quran in the post she was a Muslim lady and we were talking about the and that got me onto the similarities. we were talking about the similarities between Christianity, Buddhism, Kabbalah, Muslim you know we were talking about all of these things and she said what you're talking about sounds like what we we read in the Quran. And that was the similarities of our faith. And I sometimes think we focus a little bit too much on the differences. And I like to think the similarities, what are they? Compassion, empathy, kindness, love, humility, grace, all of those beautiful emotions that we, we all share throughout, across the board. And that was one thing that I really kind of, um, was really struck with me when, when I was studying all these different things. It's almost like the same message packaged differently. And, and, and that's what I, that's the way I like to think about it anyway.
1: And I, I, one, of the, one of the reasons why Matthew and I asked you onto the, the podcast is because, you know, you are, are, consider yourself multi-faith. So it's, it's not anchored in one specific tradition. And you're, you're talking about this journey and you have this, this book coming out, you know, Champagne and, and, and Self-Loathing. What's the Why? You know, so the, the moving away from from your 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 grown up tradition,
2: yeah,
1: to to uh, where you are now. I, I think we had a conversation about this where I was talking about well, if I decided to jump to become a Baptist, I'd still be a cultural cultural Muslim, right? Um, if you jumped into Islam, you'd still be a cultural culturally Catholic. I mean, you know, Irish, you know, let somebody the wall. but you know, so what, what what's the why and 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 maybe help with. Why you started moving from where you were to where where you are now, and what made you investigate other other multiple faiths as opposed to just one? And you know, I know you like the DL, I know you like His Holiness the Dalai Lama. So how come you're not wearing orange? And you know,
2: I think it's interesting. You know, for me certainly, um, the why was because I I reached a point in my life about ten years ago where I was married to my ex husband. We're now divorced. Great friends. And um, I had deep unhappiness in me. I couldn't identify what this happened. And I could not find comfort anywhere. There was no comfort. I felt like the walls were closing in me. And that instigated, I guess, a spiritual journey for me, which started off with my own self-awareness because I had to then, I had to become self-aware. I had to think, I had to learn to observe myself, my my actual beliefs. I got lost along the way. I've been told... I'm raised as a Catholic, so I was told I was a Catholic. I kind of lost my identity, and about 10 years ago, I set out on a journey to find it. That took me across, um, as I said, um, Kabbalah and, and Buddhism and in Hinduism. I, I read and, and regularly read the Bhagavad Gita. And, and which I love, and i don 't know if I say that right actually I can never actually say that right, but um, so all of these things were, were kind of like teaching me to to find something within me that had been missing from my life, and that was inner peace, and I guess for me, the belief in in, in kind of who I am and my my own kind of learning to be present and learning to live in, in kind of peace and harmony and, and happiness and kindness and all of those things without trying to judge other people. It's basically what all of the religion that I was grown up with, I live that way now, but I had to come out of it to kind of come back in. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I had to learn it for myself my own way. I went to school in Catholic school at the priest's church. I never took any of that in. I wasn't interested. I was a kid who had to go to school. So we, we'd, we'd literally nip in for the gospel and nip back out to the bottom of the church. So we knew for Monday what, what gospel was read. And then we kind of hang out at the end of the church with our friends. Right. So that was how, that was how we did it. So actually going on the spiritual journey enabled me to find my faith within me. And that was ultimately love.
0: Suzanne, do you feel like it was um, like the process and, and the methods of the church experience that, that kind of turned you off or, or troubled you? I'm always interested, so as a, as a, as a Christian believer, um, I'm always curious um, and I think it's good for Christians to hear um, why some people uh, leave the faith um, either as a teenager or a young adult, uh, whether they come back or not. I, I think it's, it's, it's always insightful um, for us to to listen to others, um, and I've heard heard a number of others um, stories of why uh, they they found themselves leaving a, a Christian faith. Um, was it was it something in the teachings, or was it more it, like the process it would and method? Definitely,
2: Matt. It would definitely again, like I said, this is back in the seventies, right? We. Mm-hmm. Catholicism for us, the experience of being a Catholic wasn't a loving, nurturing experience ever. We were beaten by the nuns. We were, you know, they would have um, uh, bamboo canes. This is not a word of a lie. They would have bamboo canes and we would be sent to, I remember Sister Lorencia, I remember her well, standing in front of her with your hands out and we would get 10 lashes of the cane, right? And then my, mm-hmm. my brother, who was schooled by the Christian brothers, they got a, you know, a a, a cricket pad or a fist or a belt and that was accepted. We, you know, I I don't remember loving, caring nuns and I'm sure there are are today, but back when I was growing up in in Catholic Mm -hmm. Island, we we were raised on a steady diet of fear. And it was fear of God and fear of the devil, and fear of ourselves, fear of our desires. And on top of fear was shame. You know, shame was something that was really, um, if, we, if we did well in school, you know, if we did well in school, we were, you know, wonderful. If we didn't, we should be ashamed of ourselves. We should be ashamed of our bodies, shamed of our desires. So it wasn't, it's a really interesting question. Nobody's ever actually asked me that until now. Why did I move away from it? I guess because I had to try and live my life without fear, because when you are raised in an environment of fear, it has a huge impact on your life, right? Even up to 10 years ago, which would have seen me in my mid thirties, 10 years ago, I was still driven by fear. My life was, that's, it's kind of ingrained in your DNA. So for me, Catholicism wasn't a happy experience. And, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. There's some beautiful, you know, my, the, the priest that Marius became a good friend of ours later on when, you know, the, when I met him later on in life, so the people I met later in life who were Christians or Catholics, I got on great with, but at that time, it wasn't yeah. a great experience.
0: No, well, I, I thank you for sharing that. I think, um, regardless of what uh, religious tradition we, um, uh, we grow up, and um, those those experiences are really formative uh, early on, and uh, they can, in yeah. time, if done poorly. And i speaking as a as a Protestant Christian. Um, Protestants uh, have those kinds of issues as well, uh, maybe not the particular issues, but um, we can err also um, in trying to be uh, too heavy-handed um, with uh, a kind of what, what American Christians might call a legalism among other things, um, but uh, certainly I think we need to be this is you know your your story and, and your life is kind of an example of, of how the church can err. Um, and uh, I'm sure we, you know, speaking as, speaking as the Christian on, on the on the co- on the call here, and no no Catholic friends here. Uh, we're not need, I don't think we're needlessly picking on the Catholic Church. But you've had a, that was your particular experience. Um, I've heard similar experiences in, in Protestant traditions, and uh, so I think it's 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 good for us to always reflect on uh, how our methods um, of of our faith are are shaping our, our children. Um, and, and Absolutely. Those, and, those and the
2: teaching right? of it, right? The delivery yeah. of it. And, you know, the Catholic Church has had a lot of bad press over the years. Let's be honest here. You know, there's been huge corruption and cover up and sexual abuse and, and all of that that's kind of been discussed. And we've seen it everywhere, you know, in America and Ireland and all mm-hmm. sorts of things. Being Back in those days, you know, everything was considered to be proper you, you know, regardless of, of whether it was right or wrong, it was, you know, it had to be, you know, the approval of the priest or approval of the nuns. There was no happiness didn't come into it. You know, mm-hmm. the, those children, they found, you know, in one, I think, I can't remember what it was, they, they would take the children from the, mo- the young mothers because they were married, they were out of wedlock and so on. All really bad press the Catholic Church has had. I believe now in Dublin, it's it, certainly with my, my sister and my brother's children, it's less kind of um, dogmatic less strict they 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 they're having a more spiritual approach you know trying to teach children to be more I, I, I don't know just be i think more aware of themselves as well and 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 just delivering it better i think you yeah. know yeah
1: i mean it's, thanks for sharing our, that no, sorry. Mm-hmm. I my tradition is no exception. You know, it's everything's in the news. It's my tradition, right? So, you know, uh, I, I would tell the story. They got a previous podcast. So I was down in Kandahar, and I come come out from the mosque, and and this guy starts hitting me with a cane. I can't remember what it's called in in Dari, uh, but he keeps hitting me with the cane. And says I'm praying wrong, <laughs> and I, I grabbed it from him, and we get to this 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 melee. And before you know it, it's the Taliban, right? And uh and 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 I'm like, uh, and my my friends are trying to arbitrate we're talking back and forth and i go well how do i know he knows how to pray right he's telling me i'm praying wrong how do i know he's even muslim yeah. and it was an interesting moment because we he, he actually went he held hands and went back in and we slotted out prayed together and and came out and we kind of diffused the whole situation and then had kebab afterwards but you know our, all of our traditions have that you know they have some rigid that rigidness to it um, and then it's in 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 our community it's promoted right because of of all the stuff that's going on with with the war on terror and so mm-hmm. forth. But I'm curious is how did you get away from that fear? So how did you get away from that guilt? How did what was the journey? Because I've gone further in right into my tradition, and I'm like I said I, I'm in this mainly we're we're you know I always describe us as Islam after hours. We're more of an esoteric art. So um, and. And so, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, you know, I, even, you know, Matthew with his tradition, I mean, we, I was at a, 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 a Pentecostal Pentecostal. and he was Pentecostal? like, there was like, there were children under the pews, like there's like, they, cause there was fire and brimstone. I, I got, I got, ex- I got scared. I'm like, is it happening today right now? You know, so, you know, so I was like, you know, I, I was, and I was kind of, it was funny. I was reaching out because I go, if, if the rapture happens right now, I'm holding on to these two people and I'm going way up. So, <laughs> so, so, so I don't know if it works that way, but I think it does. So how did you get away from the fear? How did you get away from this? What was the journey with those anchor points of, 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 of fear uh, and guilt? And cause we all feel these things, particularly in our different traditions, we don't pray enough. We don't do this enough. We don't, even though our traditions are anchored in you know acts of goodness and 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 trying to be uh, espouse uh, the, the 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 wondrous components of of, of our faith traditions, which ha- have a lot of similarities. But for your your in your particular journey, how did that how did that evolve, and how did you unpack? maybe one or two of these things i don't know if it's if it's big but-
2: well you know what um, john it's a bit of a loaded question how did i get away from the fear and away from the guilt it was not easy and, and it all came down again once again to my self-awareness because the journey for me had to be a journey within and i had to find out who i was and what i first and foremost what i actually believed Because I didn't know, you know, I was raised a Catholic. We were told, you're born, you're Catholic, there you go, you're you're labeled straight away, right? I I got christened. I made my first Holy communion, I grew up, uh, I'm Catholic, my Catholic beliefs. And then I got busy with my life, right? So my faith wasn't really part of my 20s and 30s. I was too busy partying, right? And then I got married, and then I had my children. And then um, when I reached this point in my mid-30s where I suddenly didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was. And I realized I didn't know what love was in my life. They were the most devastating uh, realizations I'd ever had to that point. And that was when I started to think, well, I need some help, right? Going to church and sitting there, yes, I love churches, even when I wasn't particularly, you know, um, uh, kind of practicing. Catholic. I've always loved the church. I love sitting in the church and and just seeing the beauty and so on. But um, that point where I had to learn to overcome my fear was going on a journey that took me 10 years. You know, I can honestly say now I live without fear, but that fear was deeply ingrained into who I was from my upbringing. And I used to think it was guilt. You said the word guilt, but it wasn't guilt. It was actually shame, which is much more destructive. It's much because when you're the guilt is you can feel guilty for something, but with shame is you believe there's something wrong with you, right? So if you do something wrong, you can feel guilty about it. But with shame goes much deeper than that. And we were raised on shame, and to try and actually what, what, when you're raised on a diet of shame, what, what happens is you become somebody who feels they're, they're unworthy of love or they're unworthy of happiness because that's what happened to me because when I start going deep on my journey I realized that I had a almost like a I created an illusion of my life to convince myself that I was happy and that illusion entailed a husband and three children and everything was great and life was amazing and then I had to and then I realized actually well where's the happiness that comes with this? and then the journey involved. And, and one of the big turning points on my spiritual journey was my time at the London Kabbalah Centre, because that enabled me amazing clarity. Because with the, the teaching of Kabbalah is about the light of the creator, okay? And you allow the light of the creator with the, with the intention of sharing it to somebody else. It's about resisting. It's about resisting immediate pleasure and, 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 and going for the, you know, long term. It's about responding to life instead of reacting it and and that gave me it it just gave me a bit of peace and a bit of clarity and then after Kabbalah I was able to kind of think well okay I like Buddhism so I read a lot about Buddhism and then I thought well I like Hinduism and I like you know I met this lady on the plane who gave me this beautiful Quran that I often look through and you know to me it just felt like well which one is it? I haven't come up with the answer at the moment. I feel very fulfilled, very happy. I, I meditate regularly. I believe absolutely in God. I believe God is within me. I, I pray to God, I refer to God. I love Jesus' quotes. I, lo- I, you know, I read about Jesus. I think he was an amazing man, and I love kind of uh, the, the wisdom that he had. I, I just don't feel like I particularly need a belief system in my life right now. Maybe, maybe that will change. Maybe I will turn to something. But right now, I believe everything that I have is within me. And I believe God is within me. You know, and, and sometimes we have, um, we have a, quite a big um, Jehovah's Witness um, community where I live here. And, and they often come knocking at the door because they're always trying to um, recruit you um, into their flock and so on and you know I, I i often i invite them in i love having conversations like this right and 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 i find particularly i don't know if i should say that but i find them particularly fear driven you know they they're their fear something about the 228 are going to be um, saved at the rapture or something like that and 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 the, the times that they've come they've come back with reinforcements you know they come i chat about my belief and being very happy and i'm okay where i am they come back with somebody higher and then they come back with somebody higher and then the fourth time they come back with like a, a bishop to try and recruit me and i was like mm. I, you know but you said don't you fear dying i said i don't fear dying because i'm I I can't die. I'm I I I'm, I'm eternal. I I'm you know I, everything I have. So it's kind of like for me, I feel at peace, and and I don't know if I need anything else right now.
0: So, for the for the sake of uh, folks who are unfamiliar, I'm gonna want to take advantage of. uh, you being our first guest who's particularly familiar with Kabbalah. uh, Give us a little more detail about Kabbalah and maybe what what sets it apart um, from most of the Jewish practice.
2: I guess it's more of a belief system. I don't think it's classed as a religion. It's it's a belief system, and and they believe in the, the, the 1%, which is the physical universe, which is where we are now, and then the rest of it is the 99%. And Kabbalah teaches you that anything in the physical universe is temporary. Everything in the physical universe is temporary. We're temporary. Our bodies are temporary, but our souls are everlasting. You know, eternal, we can never die. We're built from the same things as the stars, right? The way Kabbalah teaches is that everything you can't see, the things you can't see are the most valuable things in, in, in life, that is happiness, love, compassion empathy, kindness, all of the things that we talked about earlier on, you know, uh, integrity, um, uh, grace, all of those things, they, they teach you that, that they're the most, they're the, the best things in life, or the best things that you can't actually hold in your hand, right? They also teach you that the light of the creator is to be shared. The only The only reason we're here is to make a better life for other people, for, for the world, for, for our, our children, our grandchildren, whatever. Everything that we receive is to be shared. Um, I found amazing clarity. I remember having a one-to-one session with my Kabbalah instructor. And at the time, I was still living my life under the idea of blame. I was blaming everything that was going on to, to me was somebody else's fault, right? And at that time, a lot of my blame was on my father. I... I grew up believing that I suffered with emotional deprivation from my father because he never told me he loved me enough. So I carried this like a badge. I wore this like a badge for years, right? And I grew up with this kind of feeling of deprivation. And I remember having this breakthrough with my Kabbalah teacher. We had this one-to-one meeting every month. And she said to me, Suzanne, do you think your father deliberately withheld his love from you? And it was just one of those moments where I was like, boom. Because, of course, my father deliberately didn't withhold his love from me. My father was doing all he was capable of doing. And he was every bit a product of his childhood as I was of mine. And it was kind of like this realization that, wow, because they teach you at Kabbalah, one of the biggest things is personal responsibility. You are absolutely responsible for everything that occurs in your life, good and bad, you invite invited into your life, right? And I went home a couple of months later and, you know, she said, she had said to me initially before this, she said, I think you should ask your your father for forgiveness for not being the daughter that you should have been. And I looked and I thought, what? Me ask forgiveness of my father? Surely it's the other way around. He should be, I should be forgiving him. But this is when she pointed out to me that he, did he deliberately withhold his love? And I remember going to Dublin a couple of, months later, and I said to my father, I said, Dad, I'd just like to say, I'd like to ask your forgiveness for not being, I mean, he thought I was crazy, and my mother honestly thought I had joined a cult, you know, because they, (laughs) you know, they're Catholics, right, so they were kind of, I'm going home saying this Kabbalah teaching, and I said, can I, can I ask your forgiveness, and he did, and we laughed about it, and we, you know, he forgave me, and I forgave him, and our relationship wasn't magically transformed, but it was lighter, now I have a wonderful relationship with my father because I no longer blame him for my emotional deprivation. The emotional deprivation was in me. it was nothing to do with him, and when I changed how I felt about that, I felt better for it.
1: it.:'s, a, it's, a, it's a, I think we all have you know these journeys with our parents, you know my my mother and father, I'm always saying you know, you know I'm always thanking them for what for how they raised me and where and and I know they did the best they could, but their products you know, they're products of their environment, you know, and uh, stuck in, you know, the, my mother is is stuck in the 50s, you know, like that's, you know, that's her mind. Not a
2: bad place to be stuck in, JT, right? Yeah, I know,
1: well, I, I think it's great. It's all, you know, the, the, these, these wonderful colors and great, you know, the, 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 the music was very predictable. Everything's wonderful. And my mother just wants that, you know, her, 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 her favorite phrases is suppress and pretend. You know, that's one of her favorite <laughs> phrases. No, absolutely. I
2: mean, my father, my father was one of I think he was one of 12 children, six boys and six girls whose father, his father died when he was two years old, leaving his mother with 12 children on her own. You know, it, it was, he didn't grow up with parental skills, excuse me, he didn't grow up with parental skills. He was just doing his best. And, and now when I stop judging him and just let it be, I have a great relationship with my dad because he is what he is, right? and and that's just the end of it so that's a it's a nice place to be you know with him. yeah
1: it's a good spot i mean you know like you know getting the first to get their educations the first to get break out from poverty the first all these different things and and they did such a good job with what they had you know and the best job they could so um it sounds like i'm plugging them but it comes comes it comes with a, a little bit of a journey you know and and uh, and so, but my mother is she's just very cute about it. You know, she comes. Our tradition is suppress and pretend. You know, everything's okay. The <laughs> niceties and uh, the cordialities. You know, she's she's. If you don't like me, you can pretend, and that's that's good enough.
2: You see, you know? that that's exactly it, isn't it? And I think that's what happened to me because be, that was my that was my kind of saying in life up to up to about thirty five. Suppress and pretend right. because that was a and, and when you suppress your emotions and you start keep suppressing them when they go wow you better look out because for me it was like a nuclear fallout when I, when i'm actually connected with my emotions and began to let the person i truly am emerge instead of the suppressed version of me everything in my life changed you know some of my friends are no longer my friends everything was different i just had to allow myself to be the true authentic version of me to speak my truth with love to speak my truth with love, to speak my, that's how I, my philosophy is to try and be as least judgmental and just live my life with love. You know, it's hard sometimes, but you know,
1: <laughs> I'm the complete opposite. See, I, 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 judge. I'm a New Yorker. So like, I'm the, like I don't know what I'm, what I'm about. I judge and I, I, I mean, I'll still help, but I'm going to be like, you want to know what? I'm the guy who's, who's going to say, I told you so. You know, so, so, so I I'm a completely on the other. We need to do a a TED talk about how you're like I don't judge. This is what's going. On. And then it's like no, you know I think that, that you need, you
2: need I didn't to, say I don't, I don't judge. judge. <laughs> I try not to judge. That's
0: <laughs> I'm just jumps in with both feet. <laughs> and then we got Matthew here. Matthew's
1: you know uh, uh, you know I think one of the 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 real amazing moments in my experience and uh, is matt and matthew and my collaboration we come from such different traditions right we had a uh, one of our listeners say uh two guys try and act nice to each other but they both think each other's going to hell you know that was that was one of the comments you know but they secretly are ho- hoping the other one goes to hell and um and, and i i was it was funny because we were reflecting on that and i go i don't know if i've ever thought that about it really about anybody uh, <laughs> but let alone matthew um uh you know i i like to think that you know you know, he's going to up his conversion game and start sending me gifts, you know, Christmas, right. you know? So, you know, and invited me out to dinners. But, um, but I, it's difficult because it's, it's amazing you're talking about your journey because I think both we all have our personal stories and with our families and we come from that. And Matthew and I wrestled with faith uh, in our in our our, our first interactions, and where are the the Where's the line of scrimmage, and how? Where's our line of retreat with each other? Uh, that has led us to this this amazing relationship. Um, I don't know if I've forgiven him for anything, and I don't know if he's forgiven me for anything. Um, but uh, and maybe he to be in absentia, which is fine, you know. Uh, but the 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 fact is is that we've had a very interesting interaction, very similar. Um, to this journey and and in, in with you that you've had with your family where we're trying to not get into uh, the 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 negative aspects and and we not, not that we don't deal with them because we do but to talk about the similarities and then really work with each other on 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 listening and and building on what we have you know and not getting away from getting caught in the minutiae of things and taking responsibility for our tribes. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're in this podcast is taking responsibility for ourselves and our tribe and where we're going. Um, and, and that seems like a big, it may maybe a little bit of hubris to say that, but um, the dialogue that we have is, is a product of, of that commitment to each other. Like your, your, your commitment to yourself and your family, you know, you, you, you can't get rid of your father, right? He's your only, you only have one of them and you want to have that, Powerful relationship, and and Matthew and I have been working on that so so tremendously. Here's a question for you: So you have this journey. You're on this journey. You have got this. You're you're doing your public speaking, and you're you're you've got your your book coming out. If what's what's the anchor points of this book? Um, if you're gonna, I it, it talks about all these different co- components in your your life journey, but knowing yourself is one of them. I, I think um, you have this philosophy of. Uh, and, and, and I'd like for you to unpack it about, uh, about uh, surrender, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so um, I find that very particularly interesting um, from a, an Islamic perspective because the idea of surrendering uh, of submission is, is how you get to know yourself uh, in Islam, right? So you you you, and I'm sure this lady who gave you the Quran said, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got it You're Muslim, you know, in, inherently, right? Uh, so it'd be very interesting for members of my tribe to speak about that for you to speak about that from a non-islamic perspective, right? Okay. So you came there on your own accord um, So kind of interested in, a, in you unpacking that a little bit
2: So for me surrender was one of you know, you were looking at the ultimate emotional control freak, right? In my life. Now, the, the interesting about the interesting thing about that was I I had until about two years ago, I didn't know I was an emotional control freak. I didn't know what an emotional control freak was, right? And on top of that, I was an emotional perfectionist, but I'll get to that in a second. What happened was I was having a, a conversation with a very spiritual woman, and she said she felt it was my job to heal my family because we'd still a bit, this a couple of years ago, still a bit of conflict. I've been going through a lot of heartache, and I felt like my family weren't there. My family are very emotionally void. They don't do the I love you. They don't do the, you know, we're all, when I hug my mother, it's all a bit awkward. And, you know, that generation. Where, that's, Brit, that's Brits. Come
1: on. Let's just be honest. I mean, <laughs> you know, you guys don't know how to shake hands. No, we're not Americans.
2: It's, it's all a bit more proper. But, right. um so I remember having that conversation and, and I was saying, look, you know, I, I love my family, but I've, I've accepted, I've surrendered the fact that they're just not interested in my spiritual journey because I had been sending them books and I couldn't help, it, particularly when I was learning about the universe and all of this, I, I tried not to preach, but I couldn't help myself. I was like, Oh, you've got it, you've got to read this and you've got to do that, and you've got to do this. And you're Matthew's to do
1: that. language now, preach it, you're doing you're doing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but anyway, she said to me, well, I said, I've given it. She said, Well, it doesn't sound like you were trying to help them. It sounds like you were you were trying to control them because you're a control freak. And I was like, What? me the control freak hang on i am a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal i would love to be a control freak this is what i was thinking i'm disorganized chaos at the best of time constantly chasing my tail and she said no not that kind of control freak she said, you're an emotional control freak at the time i didn't know what she meant but i absolutely knew that i was an emotional control freak and that is somebody who tries to out control the outcome of what what's happening, particularly how people thought of me, what I was going to say. I, I could wake up with anxiety so bad that for worrying about had I said the right thing or if somebody, this is, you know, pre 10 years ago when I was kind of like in my stage of, I call it my chaos, but um, so the, the idea of surrender to me was incredible. What is surrender? People think when you say surrender, it means letting go. It's actually not. It's letting go of what you can't control. It's full of acceptance of the situation in your life where you are at that particular time. Because when you surrender, you have a better platform. It doesn't mean you give up. You just accept fully the situation and then you make a decision on how you change it, if you need to change it, if you want to change it. And, you know, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know if you've ever heard of Eckhart Tolle. He wrote a book called The Power of Now. Very spiritual man, big kind of guru. I think he's German, but he lives in America. Um, and he, he has a huge, huge following. And I, I went to Norway a couple of years ago and um, spent a weekend on a retreat there with him. And he has a huge, his, his main philosophy is surrender. He said, when you can surrender to what is and stop resisting it and stop fighting, it, you, you save yourself a lot of suffering by being able to do that because it is what it is, right? So you can kind of accept it or you can resist it. But either way, that's not gonna change. The situation is what it is. And that for me was a huge, um, a huge, another huge turning point in my life, you know, to actually be able to surrender. Now, if things happen, okay, I don't want it to happen, but it's happening, so I surrender. And, and something happens. When you, when you surrender, something happens. The energy shifts. You're in a better place to because when you're coming from a place of victimhood, I don't want this to be happening. Why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. You're not going to get anywhere. But when you surrender and say, okay, this is happening to me. I don't want it to be happening, but it is. Okay, fully accept that. Breathe it in. Sit with it. You have a better place to come up with a solution. That's what I found that works for me. And that's why I surrender to most things in my life.
0: Well, Suzanne I want to thank you for being so candid and open with your with your uh, spiritual journey and um, from from your uh, the early years and uh, into exploring other faiths. I think it paints a picture for uh, my fellow Christians who are listening um, kind of an example of uh, a you know another human being who longs after the same kinds of things that that we long for um things like uh forgiveness and contemptu- contentment and uh, and salvation and, and redemption and um of course the the christian or the if particularly given all the uh uh historic baggage with uh, uh catholicism and and errant uh, and and problematic expressions of protestant christianity uh we could say followers of jesus Uh we um, Um, desire all those things also. Um, And then our particular answer um, for all those things is uh, that the object um, for our surrender uh, matters. The object uh, or the hope the object of our hope for forgiveness and redemption and uh, healing and emotional affirmation, all those things that that uh, we feel and desire in very real ways uh, is Jesus. Uh, because why? Is he just some guy? Well, we believe uh, he's God incarnate. And so that you have a creator being uh, who cares enough to, to love us, um, to actually come down and dwell among us and and live the kind of life that we um, that we live. Um, and so we have, we have hope um, in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, I think it's helpful for us to interact um, with uh, someone who has gone on a faith journey like you and, and continues to do so. Um, and I'm grateful that you've uh, shared those kinds of things because these kinds of things can be pretty personal and, uh, and, uh, and I think helpful for us kind of in a multi-faith conversation um, to uh, re- respect one another and, and talk about these things.
2: Yeah. And that, you know, that, that's why I wrote this book, Champagne and Self-Loathing, because I, it's very raw. It's very, uh, I, I don't hold back. I'm, I'm 100% comfortable with who I am. And I, I, I share that, you know, the, 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 the bad stuff and the good stuff, because I feel like there's a lesson. You know, I, I went on the biggest journey of my life and I turned my life upside down. You know, I, I ended up divorced from my husband. He's now a very good friend. I have three sons. Um, the terror that I experienced in that time of my life because I had a false sense of security and I, I needed that. I, I clung to that. So to actually change my life and go on this journey and, and know who I am. It is about self-love for me. And and for me, all religion, you know, whether it's Catholic or Muslim or Hindu or whatever it is, it has to be about love. And I think when, you know, we talked about the commonalities, you know, earlier on, love and forgiveness to me is the magic word, right? Forgiveness, forgiving yourself first and then forgiving, you know, others. Because why, why hang on to that? You know, the Buddha says hanging on to hate or anger is like holding a hot coal and aiming it at somebody else, the person that it hurts the most is you. So for me, I'm not, I, I don't live in an ideal world. I have challenges and so on, but ultimately I try to live in love. And, and that is with whether you're Catholic or Muslim or if, I don't see it. I don't see the faith. I just see the person, see the soul, see the belief system, the commonality, and that ultimately love, and kindness, and forgiveness, and all of those beautiful things that I constantly remind myself
1: of. I mean, this is why it, it, this conversation is very meaningful for us. Is that as mul- as uh, operators in the multi faith space, and we talk a lot about politics, and we talk about a lot about faith traditions, and you know, majored in in all these religions, and and are are faithful in in our own way. The the your participation and time to. Uh, to go over these these your belief system, your journey, and who you are and how you got there means means the world for to us, and it also it, it, it demonstrates this. The idea of, of of expression and anchored in your your journey and your journey is just as valid as anyone else's, you know. And and that that's that's uh, that message is uh, meaningful to our to the to the to a crossing phase to Matthew and I. And we appreciate you taking the time today, and it means a lot to have you on.
2: Oh, it's been absolutely my pleasure. You I mean, listen, I love talking about stuff like this. I could talk about this for days, right? So, <laughs> no problem, any
1: time. We'll have to, add to you after the book comes out to, to to you know we'll do a we'll do a reading like they did they used to do Paradise Lost and we used to do a full <laughs> reading overnight of of you know of Milton's Paradise Lost we'll have to pull a chapter out or two and then uh, and also uh, with the, the, I know you've done a few uh, filmed a, done a few um, filmings of your TV show so would love to to follow up with that as well yeah that
2: would be
0: great thanks John. Suzanne Sylvester, coming to us from the UK. Thank you so much for your time and and your insights. Uh, We appreciate uh, your taking the time to visit with us on Crossing Faze. Our podcast is available here on YouTube. It's also available uh, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And uh, details, uh, more about John and myself, and also more about Suzanne, are available at crossingphase.com. This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter at mthawk, at JTPenna, or at Crossing Faiths. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.